0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of Authors on a Podcast Talking Books. I'm your host, David Walters. Today, I'm pleased to have fantasy writer Josiah Bancroft on the podcast. Uh, Before settling down to write fantasy novels, he was a poet, college instructor, rock musician, and aspiring comic book artist. When he is not writing, he enjoys recording the Crit Faced podcast with his authorial friends, drawing the world of the tower, and cooking dinner without a recipe. He lives in Philadelphia with his wife, Sharon, their daughter, Maddie, and their two rabbits, Mabel and Chaplin. Similar to Sins, in his own words, is Game of Thrones with a dash of Harry Potter. I mean, it's sort of like The Hobbit, Wizard of Oz, plus a little bit of Percy Jackson and the Olympians with just a dash of the golden compass. It was, quote unquote, uncommonly successful for a self-published work due in large part to notice gained during the 2016 self-published fantasy blog off competition that Mark Lawrence hosts. As a result, it was republished together with the sequel, Arm of the Sphinx, by Orbit Books in 2018. The third book in the series, The Hod King, came out in 2019. Send on the Sins was well appreciated by critics. Publishers Weekly's Star Review described the brilliant debut fantasy as steampunk and epic, surreal, and yet grounded in believable logistics. Tor.com likewise praised the imaginative setting and called the novel incredibly creative in its conception and no less confident in its crafting. The Washington Post also included in its five best science fiction and fantasy novels of 2018, describing it as a classic curious quest elevated by creative world building and memorable characters. Josiah also brags that he can eat an entire bag of gummy worms in the dark in under 30 seconds. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Josiah Bancroft.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it, David.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. I know. We've uh, been friends off and on since you uh, are also the deleter of many social media accounts. Oh, uh, I, I do, I do love leaving a <laughs> scorched field behind me when I, when I leave. Yes, absolutely. But uh, you know, we've we've I guess you can say with air quotes, known each other for a few years now. Uh, prior yes. to you yeah. being picked up by Orbit, uh, back I guess when I was on BookNest. Uh, back when uh, you, I guess had they had just started the self-published fantasy blog off, and uh, you entered it in 2016. Um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of been a long time coming, and I figured Absolutely. you know now that I've got a podcast, it's time to have them on. So. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm I'm glad to be here. Fantastic! So uh, you had a pretty good day today. You know, it was a good day. I,
1: yeah, I after like the holidays, um, it's sort of hard to re-engage with writing mm-hmm. uh, because you have that sort of like necessary like fan family break and and you know we did the uh, the baby tour where you have to uh carry the uh, toddler around and 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 she poses for lots of pictures with all the different family uh you know members that you you know uh, and then you come back to your your book and it's been about a week and a half you're know, like now oh, what was they doing and so you know last week i felt like i was sort of uh, flapping my my arms and and running in circles and drinking too much tea but uh the last couple of days, I've, I've sort of felt like, ah, this, I remember how to do this again. I, I can, I can use adverbs and and periods and, and 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 prepositions. So it was, yeah, it was a good day. It was a, nice to have a good writing day.
0: Good, good, yeah. I, um, so, so we've got for January. We have weather down here in Alabama currently. Uh, it was got up to seventy degrees today. I um, actually wow. walked outside uh, in shorts and a t-shirt to grill and got bit by a mosquito. It's the oh, weirdest wow. thing I have ever experienced in January. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, yeah, Sunday it's supposed to get down to fifty, and then all of next week, I think we've got highs in the forties and lows in the twenties. It's a roller coaster. We're on a ride here. Yeah, it really is. I mean, hey, we had uh, we had tornadoes two days ago, really uh, in the state. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Like, uh-huh. I mean, I mean, I don't I don't know if it's a global warming thing or it's literally just an Alabama thing because it's just how the, the weather is. I mean, you know, we'll go from it raining one day to sunny and beautiful to snow to uh, you know an icy Armageddon and then back to sunny again. That's <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that's 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 pretty much how our winter has been as well. Pretty schizophrenic and uh, yeah, I, I think it was two days ago we uh, encountered a mosquito in our house and I thought, <laughs> "Where have you come from? Right,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are an early early bird." Um, yeah, it's weird, yeah, weird weather. Absolutely, absolutely. Well. Uh, Again, glad to have you on. Glad you're glad you're doing well today. But uh, just to start out, if you wouldn't mind, tell me a little bit about yourself. Growing up, school, uh, hobbies. I guess outside of school. Sure. Um, well, I, I grew up in the South,
1: the Deep South. So you know, I was born in Mississippi. Uh, I lived uh, briefly in Florida and Louisiana. Uh, a lot of my like kind of early childhood was spent in Mobile, Alabama, um, and that's uh, where I, I really started writing as 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 a, a hobby. Um, I was a, a kid who always enjoyed being on his own, uh, well enough, and so I, I was pretty good at entertaining myself. Uh, my education is sort of weird. Uh, you know, I think I was like six or seven when my parents decided to pull me out of school, uh, and I was homeschooled for uh, the, the lion's share of my um, under under you know like before college career, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, yeah, I was. Uh, kind of left to my own devices in, in some regards. And um, from that uh, sort of liberty, I, I was able to spend a lot of time reading and writing, you know, uh, studying like antiquity and and uh, learning about uh, history. And, and uh, if I could, you know, have five minutes alone in a library, I would just raid all the shelves for their books on castles and armors and, and trebuchets and that sort of thing. So you know, it's, <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it was, it was a very helpful, uh, sort of educational experience for a fantasy writer, uh, not good for tax preparation. Um, <laughs> I have to confess as an adult, I wish I was better at math. Uh, but, uh, I can, can certainly, uh, uh put a sense together.
0: There you go. There you go. Oh. Uh, so, uh, so what work, I guess, were you in prior to starting your writing career? Uh, you know, I, I I have sort of uh, famously done a a
1: bunch of dumb jobs in my life. I, I have uh, never said no to uh, an occupational opportunity. So if somebody says, "Hey, do you want to uh, you know come stand in a subway and dress as a a uh, circus?" 1880s uh, newsboy and hang, hand out uh, flyers. My answer is always, yeah, sure, I'll do that. You know, so <laughs> I've done some really uh, uh, sort of silly jobs in, in, in my life. Uh, uh, I worked my way through college, you know, washing dishes and stocking uh, in and uh, mall back rooms and stuff like that. But um, once I got through grad school, I uh, started teaching, and so um, uh, you know, I started uh, as a uh, adjunct teacher, and, and uh, eventually became a full time teacher at a community college, and I did that for seven, eight, ten years. I did it for a long time, um, and it was it was very rewarding. I you know it's, it's I, I love teaching. I love uh, uh, introducing people to new um, you know uh, stories and poems. Uh, and I, I like uh, helping people find their voice and, and get more confident in their ability to express themselves. It was it was a very rewarding thing, but I will tell you, uh, teaching is exhausting. And so I, it's it's not if you put a lot of yourself into it, it's pretty um, taxing. And so I did that for you know a, a good while, and and then uh, after that moved on to writing full time, which has been uh, taxing in a, <laughs> in a different way, but I, you know, I look back, I'm like, would I rather be wearing knickerbockers in the subway or, you know, uh, washing ramekins and Applebee's like this is definitely preferable. This is, this is a better <laughs> experience. So I don't want to, you know, misconstrue that.
0: Yeah. I can, I can imagine. Yeah. I've, I've had several different jobs I mean, prior to prior of college after college. I mean, even just in my early start to the career, my twenties, I mean, I've, Uh, worked in telecommunications, got out, did real estate full time for a year. Oh, Uh, that's tough. Yeah. And then decided, okay, I'm gonna do real estate, uh, you know, part-time. And then I worked at a, uh, country club for nine months, uh, in membership sales, got out of that, worked in it for about another year. And mm-hmm. got out of that, got back into telecom. That's what I've been doing for a year and a half. So, so we, we, we say telecom. Like I, I worked in a call center for a while. Is that what you mean by telecom? No. Or- so so we uh, so the company I work for is like a vendor for AT and T. So we ah. we have construction crews. Um, we also do site acquisition for like cell cell towers. So we'll go out and find raw land sites to build new cell towers if there are any available (laughs) um but a lot of stuff we do now is uh what's called small cells so it's like little antennas on power poles
2: um
0: so you know because because there's so many more people on phones and so forth nowadays you've got to got it something's got to go somewhere so everybody can be able to use their devices so uh it's basically like every you know, say five hundred to a thousand feet. There's gonna be like a, a pole that's got a antenna on it, so you can it'll pick you up as you drive by it. So,
1: well, well God knows if I don't have my my internet for four minutes,
0: I go into withdrawal and start know, right? shaking, foaming at the mouth, <laughs> like. I, <laughs> So yes, yeah, so I do I do database management for for my company for now I'm in the Gulf. So we basically cover Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. So,
2: um,
0: so yes, yeah, so I've been like I said, I've been doing that about a year and a half, and I'm I'm kind of like that and like part time IT there since I came from an IT job. Everybody's like, oh, you know everything about computers, help me. So that's kind of where I landed.
1: Um, well, yeah, that's that's like one of those like uh, secret abilities you should never confess. I mean, like I know. you know. Uh, I could do some design. Never say that. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I no, no. Uh, keep that to yourself. But no, I, I, that sounds interesting. I'm glad you, you have, uh, you know, come back around and found something you enjoy doing.
0: Yeah. You know, it's one of those things I did for three years and uh, I was like, you know, I, I didn't love my original job coming out of college. I mean, but it was something. And, and I was like, you know, Maybe maybe that's something I'm really good at, so I need to come back into it. So it just kind of came full circle back to it, but just landed a way better job than I had originally. That so, makes a difference. It makes yeah. it. Well, did, you, did you like like zoom through college? Were you like a four year kind of person? So I, I did four and a half. So uh, I. You, orig- you, you said that with a touch of shame. <laughs> well, it is a little shameful. My my last semester was. I kind of was like, I'm going to get one more football season in. And it was like the, it was like <laughs> one of the worst seasons Auburn had like while I was there. Um, um, but uh, I had actually started off as an engineering student and I went to Alabama my freshman year. And yeah. was like Dean's List, oh, it was great, skyrocketed through it. And I was like, but I really want to go to Auburn. It's where I want to go out of high school. And then one semester in Auburn, I go, you know – Business sounds wonderful. <laughs> so, switched majors, went into marketing. That's what I graduated with, and then now I'm in telecom. So you know, full circle, right? I, I, I failed out of Auburn. Like really?
1: I, I, I was at Auburn for a year in the art program, um, and and yeah, I I, I had to I had to go elsewhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I I felt like I was going to flunk out of Auburn. Uh, like I said, my my freshman year, I had uh I had calculus at like seven in the morning and then I had chemistry right after at eight. So you, you, you're a smart person. I had like <laughs> doodling at four thirty <430 laughs> in the afternoon,
1: <laughs> you know, and, and remedial English at three. And I was managing to fail this uh, with, with all that sort of uh, easy scheduling uh, in front of me. Uh, yeah. I, no, I took I, I seven years to get my undergraduate degree. I went to four different institutions of higher learning. Before I finally figured it out. So I, I was not meaning to like, you know, cast any uh, aspersions upon your four and a half years. That sounds quite speedy.
0: Right. Seems, seems like a lifetime, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I actually took art history in Auburn and uh, just hated it. <laughs> no, I was like, yes, yeah, well, so no, I think my I loved thing. that class is
1: it, it was I, that was one of class classes at 8:30 in the morning, and you showed up as a giant auditorium. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, we're gonna turn the lights off.
0: Yep. And I'm like, what are you? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm going to turn the lights off, and I'm going to show you some pictures, and huh? uh, we're going to have a test on this on Friday. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what's we'll about a chair today? And everyone,
1: just go ahead and nod off. There you go. Close your eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that class fondly. <laughs> I remember exactly yeah. like the building we had it in, exactly what the room looked like. But yeah, it's just because you know. Typically, you get an auditorium that's got seats that go up, you know, like twenty flights, and then this one, it was literally a flat room that yeah. had about I don't know four rows of chairs, and you just kind of you just sat there and, and looked at a PowerPoint. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I, we made this, this is, this is college, yeah, very <laughs> familiar. <laughs> oh my gosh, I had no idea you, you. First of all, I had no idea you lived in Alabama at one point, point. and second yeah. of all, I had no idea you went to Auburn. That's awesome. And, um, and I,
1: lived, I lived in Auburn for like three or four years. I wasn't like going to school the entire time. I was sort of doing the whole like uh, miscreant uh, off the grid. I'm going to be an artist sort of thing. Like you know, I was listening to much uh, uh, you know John Cage and 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 uh, living in in a uh, one room efficiency apartment that was like 175 bucks a month. I mean, it was. It was the only time in <laughs> my life where I was like, I'm washing dishes and making bank. You oh, my know? <laughs> gosh.
0: Where, the, where did you work while you were there? Uh, well, that was when I worked at the Applebee's. Like, okay. Uh, is, that, yeah. is that the one that's on uh, Opelika Road, I guess? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Okay. I, I mean,
1: I think it is. I also lived in Opelika for a while, so uh, you would think I did the geography better, but I, I, I'm not a geography guy.
0: But it, it might have been, and I'm trying to think. I think uh, – how old are you? I'm 41. 41. Okay, because I was gonna say I was like, man, if you if because I couldn't remember if you were like in your mid 30s or not. There's a possibility you went to school with with my sister because, but I think she worked at Chili's. I don't think she worked at Applebee's. I was gonna say there was like a hard chance that you worked with my sister <laughs> in, in a restaurant at one point in time. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Um, oh well, cool. Well, we'll, well, we can come back to that full circle at some point, but. Sure like, yeah. uh, so kind of back to the writing. So you said you, you wrote uh, growing up. Uh, you kind of, you, know, you read a lot yeah. and so forth. So so who uh, I guess who influenced you to write? Who who were the big influences when you were reading that were like oh I, I want to be like them?
1: You know I think I got this is very uh, typical for a kind of person of my age. Like a, you know the first book that I really uh, glommed onto in, in fantasy was The Hobbit. Um, and I read it, and I, I thought, like, I'm I'm gonna write this, but with me as the Hobbit. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna write this novel again, but with myself as as Bilbo. And um, I started, you know, writing a novel. I mean, pretty quickly after I I I'd finished that, um, even before I cracked the Lord of the Rings. Um, so you know, I think like you know, Tolkien. Uh, C.S. Lewis was a big influence. Uh, once I started started reading a little more contemporary, you know, fantasy, I was reading like Eddings and and Brooks and stuff like that. Um, but uh, very very quickly, I was just like, I, I I need to I need to write this book myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know, if you look at like uh, Terry Brooks and you diluted that, that's sort of where I was working. You know, <laughs> like. <it's laughs> A, a, a delusion of a delusion of a delusion. It was very, very sort of um, transparent fantasy. It was it's pretty much like a frustrated teen boy wants to have an elven girlfriend. Uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, we'll, I, I can see it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta, you know, put yourself into a story and be like, you know, if 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 I lived in this world, what would I want to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a ponytail uh, in the
1: in the story. In real life, I had a crew cut.
0: Um,
1: you know, I was I was muscular. Um, I could talk to people in uh, coherent sort of sentences. Um, yeah, no, it was it was just it was just fantasy stuff. But I was, I was twelve, right. you know, and, and that's like the, the, the high watermark, or at least low watermark for me of, of just sort of confidence and engagement with the world. And so, I mean, a fantasy like was that sort of great retreat. Mm-hmm. um where you felt confident and and you could play and explore it was you know
0: it meant a lot to me yeah yeah so uh i was literally about to ask you I was like so did you write a lot in school but you said you were homeschooled for a majority of your of your quote unquote oh, undergrad i guess uh because i was gonna ask I was like so did you read stories in front of people and they were all like ooh and on ah, and maybe you're like oh i'm gonna write now But uh, I I guess it was like one of those things where like you wrote it down and you were like thought about reading it to your parents. And you're like, you know, I'm just going to kind of keep this to myself. Well,
1: my my father was like um, he was a he had been a high school English teacher. And so he was a grammarian and he absolutely forced me to write a page uh, essay, a page long essay every day. For, for many 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 years and then he would go through and, and grade it and critique it and like you know tell me what was wrong with it and they had to be on different things so sometimes it was about like you know castles and history and sometimes about sharks and dinosaurs it wasn't just about one thing uh, but I, you know I wasn't left entirely to myself which is good because the only reason I know how to spell it all is because I had somebody there going like that's look I People, I know it sounds like it's spelled people, but it's people. Like don't spell it. That's that's not it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, um, awesome. So you kind of uh, kind of said this already, but you said you you write full time now. Has that been since your I guess contract with Orbit, or were you attempting to write full time prior to that? You know, I mean, like like I've
1: I've been uh, open about this in the past. There was a confluence of 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 different events that sort of precipitated me leaving my uh, you know long term job at the community college. Uh, we, we call uh, in common parlance a freakout, um, and that was um a joint with no other remarkable sort of development in my professional career. It was just one of those things where I came home one day and said, I don't know what I have to do next, but I can't go back there.
2: <laughs> and so
1: <laughs> I I I quit my job before anything had happened. And so then I was I, I was really just sort of grasping around for um what I was going to do next and coasting off of savings and my wife and her full-time job. And it was, it was a very stressful moment, but literally like a month after I did that, uh, that's when Mark Lawrence uh, discovered the book. And suddenly I went from selling no books to selling some books. And so it began to seem like a a possibility. And then within a year I had an agent and a a contract. And so uh, it was, um, it, it was a case of like, uh, a person has already drowned and then they kind of dredge them back out of the water. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't this like carefully orchestrated or planned event. It was just like most things in my life, uh, wild flailing uh, that was uh, unfairly rewarded by good fortune.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about um, when you first self published Send because uh, I know that was back in 2013, so the, obviously a few years before uh, the self-published blog off and before the Orbit contract. So, um, kind of where were you at in that that point of time when you were writing Simlin? How did you come up with the idea for uh, Babel and, <laughs> oh. and and Thomas Simlin himself? Well, so like th- this is
1: again. The- <laughs> uh, I, the, the way that I, I have made any sort of adjustments in my life is is through the sort of um, spasmodic uh, sort of terror of failure. And so I had spent the previous 10 years before writing *Silent and Sins trying to be a poet, like really giving it a good shot, you know, studying it, publishing it, reading it, uh, reading it publicly, uh, behaving as if I was going to be a poet, um, which, of course, is uh, sort of a... a a very niche career i don't want to say it's as bad as being like uh, a mime a professional mime but there are not many professional poets in the country there's just it's a very small pool and so i spent 10 years doing this and i kind of got to a point where i was like well i can't i can't just flail anymore i can't continue to do this in um you know obscurity and irrelevance and so I went back to the thing that I fell in love with initially when I, was, you know, started writing as a kid, and said like, hey, you know, I'm gonna write a, a fantasy novel. And we'll see how this goes. And so um, Sinless sins kind of came out of my poetic studies, which meant that the character Thomas Sinlin was inspired by um, a poem by Conrad Aiken, uh, Aiken, who uh, wrote a poem called uh, "Morning Song of Sinlin." And so, I mean, the, the the name itself comes from this poem. And the phrase, uh, sinless sins, appears in the poem. And so, you know, the sort of uh, impetus for the, the series really began that sort of poetic tradition. Um, so uh, the, the idea for the, the, the Tower and the Tower of Babel came from what I was reading at the time, which was Italo Calvino and his uh, book Invisible Cities. Uh, Borges, his short stories, the library of of Babel um, and some like sort of um, classic sort of modernist European texts like, uh, you know, uh, the castle by Kafka, uh, the plague, uh, nausea, those sorts of things that uh, I read in grad school. So it was it was sort of like this emulsion of influences. I also just I just started reading rereading like the adventure stories of my youth, like Jules Verne, H.G. Wells and Robert Louis Stevenson who, like, when you read them as, like, a mid-30-year-old and, like, the, the contemporary sort of uh, mindset, you're like, wow, these are horribly problematic uh, as texts, and these guys are, are terrible, racist, misogynists. But, you know, there's still the sort of underlying uh, fantasy quality, the sort of fancifulness that I, I, I liked. And I, I sort of began the, the project trying to update some of those um, things I enjoyed about old adventure stories melted with, European modern works and poetry yeah I mean that that sounds really snotty um what, what, how else can I phrase it in a less snotty way uh oh no <laughs> so, you know, it's just the the boring truth I you know I was, right. I, was I was I was just studying literature and so like, that's where it kind of came out of
0: I gotcha so uh tell me about your experience with the self-published fancy blog off yeah so well so what when I self-published *Sinless Sins*,
1: it was in that moment in—I I don't know if you remember this sort of uh, time where there was this brief gold rush for self-publishing, mm-hmm. where it was just sort of like um, it was like buying a house in two thousand and six. was like, "Just buy a house. It's gonna be fine. Buy a house. You got right. the money. You get a loan. You don't need. To, hey, don't have a job. Just get a house." Ah. And then in 2008, I think it falls apart. Right. It was the same sort of thing where I was like, just yeah, self-publish. You, you put a book out there, people buy it. It's free money. And so I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? And so, you know, I decided to self-publish this book from the outset. And I went in with, like, what I thought were very conservative ideas of what the result would be. I, you know, I had a goal. I was like, I'm going to self-publish, and I want to sell 500 books in the first year. Um and and I got nowhere close. To that. I think I, I you know I, I don't remember how few books I sold, but it, 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 it's 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 the kind of number where you couldn't tell your mother, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. How's was a publishing, going I didn't do anything. I know what you're talking about. Um, so the, the the initial sort of launching of some of the sense was such a uh, dead duck that I, I um, decided to write a second book. I um, think <laughs> that, that would solve the problem. Right. Uh, it did not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know but it's like one of those things where like you're like it, it, what I would say to the Josiah of 2011 is if you're going to self-publish for the first time in your life don't make it a series come mm-hmm. on man just just write a standalone don't be a bozo about this but no I was like it's a four book series and so after the first one didn't sell I was like I guess it's time to write the next one <laughs> and so I wrote the next one and, and, and uh Uh, I mean, I sold uh, dozens, uh, you know, and it was one of those things, too, where like I was doing the the, the soft shoes shuffle. I was I was going to conventions. I I was wearing the sandwich sign. I was spending money on advertisements. I mean, I did the whole rigmarole and and just failing as if it were my job. Like it was it was aggressive failure. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I did that for uh, three or three and a half years. Um, and the, the very last thing I did uh, or attempted to do with the series was to enter the uh, uh, FBO, is mm. that right? Self-fam- self-publishing fantasy blog, SPFBO. Like I need to write that thing out. Uh, the spit <laughs> uh, That was the last thing I did. I found this thing on some blogs and I was like, oh, there's a contest for self-publishing uh, novelists. And I was like, hey, I'm a failure. I can- who cares? And I just, you know, sent the first book. And then uh, the, the I mean like two weeks later I deleted all my uh, uh, you know social media accounts I uh, it was like I need to change my name I'm gonna start writing uh, you know romance or westerns or I mean I I, I just I I threw up my hands and given up and that's when I had like about half of the Hod King written um, but I mean like who's gonna write a third book when you haven't sold the second one. <laughs> I mean, it just it didn't make any sense. I, I was like, oh, I'm a glutton for abuse, but at some point I'm like, but I, I, I could go hurt myself in a new way. You know, yeah. that's why this is a fresh pain. Uh, so, yeah, I, I entered the contest and then deleted all my stuff and had my uh, professional freak out and uh, was wandering around on the streets, uh, you know, uh, and, and then for whatever reason, uh, Mark um, found the, the book. Oh, he found it because of the one review that uh, Pornokic wrote uh, where I was not advanced the next round. Um, uh, but my my friend Phil Tucker in his book was uh, advanced the next round. But the, the, the review was written in such a way that um, it piqued Mark's interest. And so Mark decided on a whim to read the book. And for whatever reason, he really enjoyed it. And so he, you know, uh, took it upon himself to, to flog it. And so it was, uh, by pure dent of his, you know, love of the book that I started getting some traction, uh, on, on places like our fantasy and Reddit. Um, and, uh, eventually, um, he, uh, sort of connected me with his, his, uh, literary agent, mm-hmm. um, who then became my agent. And that was how I eventually got the orbit deal.
0: Man, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, you were talking about how uh, you know it's numbers you don't even want to tell your mom about. Did real estate was like that for me? Like when I decided to jump in, two feet, do it full time. Uh, it took a couple of months to get my first closing, and I was like, oh, I feel really good about myself. And then it was a steady stream of nothing. I mean, I'm yeah. you posting all over social media like you're supposed to, but of course the algorithms don't show it to anybody. And then you're trying to hand your business cards out to everybody and send mailers and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's just it's really difficult to break in like that unless you just know somebody or a bunch of people know you. And I'm I felt like I was pretty outgoing and making friends and so forth, but apparently not good enough.
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, it's like I think with like self-publishing, like it's similar in the sense that like you really have to be good at hustling to make it work mm-hmm. or if you're me just very lucky right <laughs> uh, and that's like the truth for a lot of industries that like um and and also you can hustle and be uh perfect in your game and do everything right mm-hmm. and still fail you know Absolutely. it's like one of those things where it's, it, you, you're uh not necessarily rewarded for doing the right thing
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's it's one of those I mean, same thing with this podcast like I, i'm not out to make money i'm not out to get all these people in love with it granted i would love people to listen to it because i think it would be good for the fantasy community book community and so forth because i mean it would introduce you to authors that maybe you wouldn't have read prior to it but you know i, I try to promote it i don't try to be annoyingly you know over whatever like i don't post all the freaking time about it But, you know, it's one of those things where that one person has to see it or that one person has to share it for it really to go off. Just like, you know, with Simlin and Mark Lawrence seeing that review. Right. Uh, You know, that kind of – it was like a thing that happened by accident and then it blew up, you know. Um, But it's so awesome that it did because now there's so many people that are able to enjoy your books. And, you know, prior to that, you're like, oh, my gosh, I've – I can't even sell 500 you know. (laughs) Oh,
1: no, I mean, absolutely. I'm very grateful for it. I think that there's a lot of people who when they have their lucky break, they do appreciate it as being a product of luck. And of course you have to be, you know, ready to experience and receive the luck. I mean, you you know, you have to be standing there with your catcher's mitt um, or in my case, not. No, yeah, I mean, like not even that. Like I was not, yeah, I'd already given up. So maybe not even that. (laughs) But, you know, I, I, I feel like, the um, amount of effort that it takes to create something is significant mm-hmm. but that that significant effort does not necessarily guarantee a significant result right. which stinks it, it's not fair um, but you know I mean
0: it's, it's just how it is Yeah, it's just, it's just life in general unfortunately yeah. um you know which
1: is that is my credo
0: <laughs> this is life in general, <laughs> comma unfortunately <laughs> so, yeah well you you should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, you know, say, I mean same thing happens in any job. I mean, you could you could work super hard at your job, do, you know, say a better job than other people and you know, in your surrounding or on your team or something and until it's recognized, you kind of do it to know that you're doing a good job. Kind of like you're writing to know that you wrote a good book at least in your eyes. Like you, you know, cuz I, I I hear all the time that writers, you know, they say I wrote this because this is what I enjoy, and if other people enjoy it, great. Mm. Um, now, not every author says that because a lot of them are out to make money doing you know writing. But um, at least, at least in the beginning, you know, if, if they don't have an agent or a publishing contract and they just want to put something out there to say that they did it, and people will end up saying that it's good or bad or whatever. But if it's good, it encourages them to write more. Um, which you, you completely went backwards on that and just decided to keep going no matter what.
1: <laughs> well, and I think
0: like for, for me,
1: it's like, I, I've always been writing. I've always been writing and I've been writing and failing at it for so long that at some point you're just like, well, <laughs> that can't be the point. Now you're you just know? numb to it, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, you're saying, like, oh, whatever. Uh, and so, yeah, no, the, the moment of life success was sort of a pleasant surprise, but, um, yeah, I, I, I know people who are more talented and harder working and write better stuff, you know. I've known them in my life and uh, you know, they haven't had their break and you know, that's just and some of them quit, some of them just couldn't couldn't put up with it and I understand
0: that. I mean it's 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 just tough. It's yeah. tough to tough to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so tell me about uh, your experience now with orbit. Uh, I mean, I know you've been with them for a few years now. Uh, I'm, you know, we've seen the videos that they've recorded for you for Simlin, uh, with your, uh, I guess it was your, uh, debut voice, uh, video that you did in, in 2018, but just tell me your overall experience with them. I've, I've always heard great things.
1: Well, my, my, the thing that I really like about Orbit, um, is that they have, um, sort of taken the lead on, uh, these sort of marginal books. These books are on the sort of outside looking in uh, that have come from the self-publishing world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really exciting thing. So they they are now looking to um, sort of the self-publishing community to sort of crowdsource or um, sort of hunt out some worthier, interesting titles. Worthy is the wrong word. Interesting novel titles. Uh, and, and so I think that that's really I like that about them. I think that they're willing to take risks and they're looking for things that are outside of um, easily boxed genre sort of quadrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're picking some really interesting things. Uh, you know, I'm I'm really excited that you know, uh, next month, uh, The Wolf of Orignaro is coming out by K.S. Uh, Veloso. And I think that that's going to be a, a, another sort of feather in the cap of orbit. This year but i mean they, they just had this long run of of picking um interesting things and so i i like their their aesthetic i like their their uh, mission uh personally you know my experience with my editor has been uh just wonderful i have zero complaints he's made my books better and been very patient as i have um struggled to understand that uh you know i think that <laughs> Uh yeah, it's, it's a a a wonderful it's a wonderful publisher and a wonderful organization.
0: Yeah, and and you know back to where talking about you know bringing out self-published books and and bringing them out. I mean, obviously they did that with yours. They did it with Evan Wenner and the Rage of Dragons last year. Uh, next, yeah, 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 And then uh you know Devin Madsen uh she's yep. got uh her her book coming out in June. Uh, I think it's actually going to be on ebook this month. Um and it's very uh, exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So just just the fact that you know these authors that we've been around and us uh you know as, as bloggers have been around at least ones that have been introduced via Mark Lawrence's um blog off uh, it's just really cool seeing them go from you know self published to boom they've you know got a book deal with a publisher uh you know even even with you know Jonathan French and the great bastards with with crown and so forth it's just it's just fantastic i mean obviously not everybody's going to get it but I mean, good gosh, even the winners are not, or even, even the ones that don't win that, uh, that blog off, you know, can have the possibility of getting something. Obviously, you did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's just, it's just great to see. And, and yeah, I, I think I say this on like every podcast episode, but they're just, they're just so awesome. Um, yeah. and, and we were talking, you know, talking to Evan last week and he was talking about how, you know, all the publicists and stuff for them just feel like readers and they're just as excited as (laughs) everybody else, uh, you know, for the books that are coming out and the books they're releasing. And, uh, you know, they, they all kind of seem like bloggers themselves, which is, which is pretty great. So I think, I think
1: that's absolutely true. Like there's a culture of readers, which makes a huge difference. It doesn't feel
0: just industrial. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Obviously you've got three books so far out in the books of Babel series uh, and book four, I believe is, it's coming out in 2021. Is that correct? Uh, that's, that's what it's we're all books. laboring
1: under the assumption of. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it d- depends on uh, a, a number of factors, uh, m- mostly which revolve around me. Uh, but there's <laughs> like, I would have to really screw this up to miss this uh, deadline. Um, you know, I, right now I have uh about 400 pages of the draft done to my satisfaction, uh, but I am I am I, I, uh, a writer who's known to be dissatisfied with his work, and I have you know taken a hatchet to what I'm working on many times before, and that's just mm-hmm. my process. Right. Uh, so you know, like my goal is to release something that I think I can be proud of, um, but you know I I feel like fantasy readers all have you know, some some version of trauma related to disappointments about the publishing schedules of certain series. Uh, And so if you say like, oh, you know, it's going to be an extra year, they just fall to pieces and say, this is why I can't trust. (laughs) This is why I have issues, you know, and I'm like, hey, look, I'm I'm doing the best I can over here. Uh, So yes, it's going to be 2021 or I'll have to find a new publisher and a new spouse. (laughs) Uh, uh,
0: (laughs) But no pressure. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, so, can you? I don't know how you want to do this. I don't know if you want to just give kind of a brief overview of Sinland the Sins, or if you want to get a brief overview of the first three books since they've been out for a little while now. How, how would you rather do that? Well, I mean, you know, I, we can talk about them. I, I think right. that, you know, the
1: story, um, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> at this point, it's so funny. I was thinking about this the other day. When I finished this series up, I'll have been working on it for a decade. <laughs> And like if you think about something that you undertook when you, you were 10 years younger, uh, and the sort of feeling of continuity that that, that you know a, a long-term project requires, that's really difficult. And so yeah. what those books meant to me initially has evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that one of the things I've had to allow myself, and one reason that every entry in the series has been... Markedly different is because I'm not trying to write the same book. Yeah. I, 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 I Couldn't you know, I can't write a book I wrote ten years ago again right. uh, And so one of the things I think really kind of distinguishes the series for good or bad is that they each entry in the series is, is different in its tone and its structure and it's sort of purpose um, and what's been interesting for me as a writer to see is what readers connect to and so I've had readers say, well obviously he has no idea where he's going or obviously this was the high water mark uh, but then you have other readers who are like, I like this this book that's different for this reason you know and I think that that's that's my audience. The audience who's not looking at this is like um, a sort of uh, a competition where we have to rank the books but more of a sort of uh, each is an experience unto itself they're they have kind of a standalone quality to them in some ways yeah. uh not you know
0: necessarily like plot wise but uh tonally i think they do yeah i mean if you want to, because my assumption is if you've read Seven of the Sins, more than likely you've read *On of the Stinks and more than likely you've read The Hot King. I kind of I kind of feel like if you start a trilogy and you like the first book, you're going to continue on. So maybe if you want to uh, talk a little bit about Seven the Sins for those who maybe haven't sure. tried the the series yet, just kind of give a brief overview of what it's about, uh, who it follows, uh, and kind of what readers can expect when they open the pages.
1: Sure, I think like the, the easiest way to describe it is sort of... Uh a small man uh, who feels large uh, goes to a large building, which he thinks is small uh, and is <laughs> disappointed by the result. Uh, you know, It's a story of a, a small town uh, headmaster who has dreamed of going to this marvelous structure in his uh, world, which is the Tower of Babel. And uh, he finally has the opportunity on his honeymoon to visit this uh, locale, which is this sort of monumental structure. It's as large as a mountain and as diverse as a nation. It's broken into these different levels, each of which is a kingdom unto itself, a nation unto itself. Um, and it's, it's sort of a church attraction as well. So while it's this a hub of industry and culture, and invention and technology, it also has this draw about the country. And so people kind of come out of curiosity. So he takes his new bride there Uh, And the moment that he arrives with her, he loses her in the crowd. Um, And this story is not really about him losing her as much as it is about him uh, realizing that um, he does not know himself and he did not really know her. And he doesn't understand how the world works. Uh, But he searches for her with uh, the sort of intensity of a, a true romantic through this Byzantine complex uh, structure that is strange and unpredictable from one level to the next. And so he is always being called flat-footed, and his idealism and his sense of uh, superiority because of his uh, background and education uh, betray him uh, repeatedly until he finally learns that he has to change. And so he does, albeit slowly.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure as I was reading Send Sends, I reached out to you. This was back when you actually had Facebook. Um, mm. <laughs> back in the old days. Oh, um, the dark days. Right. <laughs> um, and we were introduced to uh, an object called a beer me go round. And I literally had to send you a message and go, okay, this is, I think this is the best thing I've ever read. <laughs> the beer me go round. Yeah, that's uh, one of
1: uh, my favorite inventions for the tower. Uh, it's a a device where you uh, can ride it for free and uh, pedal as hard as you can, and it produces a small amount of beer as as you work this much larger
0: pump. Uh, yeah, uh, I love the beer McRin. It's it's wonderful. Um, yeah, and it, uh, so it's not obviously your typical fantasy novel. Um, it I've seen it called steampunk. I've seen it called. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say like really urban fantasy. I mean, granted, it kind of takes place in a city-ish, I guess, kind of uh, kind of a world because you're just basically dealing with this massive tower. Um, but it's also very humorous, and it's, it's it's very satirical in the way it's written, and I think that's what I enjoyed most about it. Um, I was actually just talking to Sean Adams, who just released his debut, The Heap, uh, from HarperCollins uh, mm-hmm. a week ago. Um and his, his writing style was very similar in the satirical sense. And I, I compared his book to yours when I first read the Sins um, because it's one of those things where whatever's happening to the characters is very normal to them, but to us as readers is barbaric and absolutely outrageous and, <laughs> and just, just ridiculous uh, every single corner you turn. Um and so did did you set out to write a humorous novel on top of writing a fantasy novel uh and kind of a rom- romantic vibe i guess Or did, were, were you more just like it's gonna be fantasy and if people laugh at these things they laugh at them <laughs> you know I, when i set out to write this thing
1: i didn't know what steampunk was mm-hmm. i i i gave an early draft like, like the first 150 pages to somebody and they said this is steampunk and i said it's what i i didn't even know what steampunk was i guess like I, I was sort of basing it off the jules verne H. G. wells vibe from my youth mm-hmm. Uh, so like I, when I started, like I had no concept of genre. One of the reasons I decided to self-publish it from the outset is I decided I didn't want to write something that was easily packageable and sellable. Which, if you're like trying to seek out an agent, is not something they want to hear. Right? Like you know, you say like, ah, oh, no, it's weird because it's sort of like it got a little bit of like you know, uh, the paranormal and the horror and the romance and the comedy and like uh, you know, and they're like, I don't, no, no, dude, like. what is it, is it is it like Jack Reacher? Come on, just give me like what what is, what is this thing you've written? Uh, and, and so I just I didn't care about the genre when I started. Um, I will say that you know the sort of um, cynical or sardonic quality to it you know comes from like reading Kafka and Borges and um, Calvino and some of the other sort of like pseudo absurdists that that I really enjoy. But also for me, like Douglas Adams and Terry Pratchett, like those guys just – I cut my teeth on them as, as, a, as a young writer. And so, um, I mean, there are obvious nods to, to them throughout the, the series. Um, I knew I wanted it to have romance because I like romance stories. I knew that I wanted to have comedy because I got to tell you, like if I'm watching um, an, an epic fantasy TV show or reading an epic fantasy book and it's humorless – I just find it oppressive, like Mm. after like three seasons of Game of Thrones, like somebody needs to tell more jokes. We need to get like more joking in here. This is just (laughs) like, I I can only take so many stonings before I'm like, all right, all right, I get it. All right. You know, and, and I, so in my own work, I just find that humor is part of life. It's part of tragedy. I feel like if people who have suffered much, much more than I ever will or have, can still find ways to enjoy uh, a moment of levity, then it's sort of you know it, it would be the, it would be the height of cynicism to have a book that didn't include that at all. And so, you know, that's that's how it became this sort of weird uh, assemblage. And I think as the series goes on, by the time it's over, people will be like, this is this is just science fiction, um, which I'm fine with because I also like science fiction. Like I, I don't. I don't feel any fealty to a, a, a genre, uh, and hopefully, people who are reading along feel the same way. I mean, there, there are people who who told me after I published the Hot King, like, "Wait a minute, this is like YA because there's this portion that's about a young person."
0: Oh my gosh! And I'm like,
1: I I don't I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like everything has to have a label now. Um, yeah. You can't just have a label-less book. It, everybody has to be like, all right, as soon as it has a young character, it's officially YA. As soon as you have somebody killed, it's officially adult. As mm-hmm. soon as you have some kind of fantastical element, it's fancy. It's just like, can you just read the book and just enjoy it? <laughs> and then be like, if you like this, this, and this, you'll like this. Like, when I was finishing up the third book and you know i kind of thought about it through, through all three but um uh, i kind of would say like if douglas adams wrote the story behind bioshock infinite that's kind of what the book the the books of Babel would be um i don't know if you play video games at all but like bioshock infinite takes a place like in the clouds it's kind of like a cloud city but uh in order yeah, to get have, certain no places idea. okay in order to get how, how cal- disappointed i was <laughs> to play that game and I was like oh
1: man this is sort of some of the aesthetic I was going for <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: oh, yeah no
1: I, I, I it is a beautiful game
0: yeah yeah for sure but you know I I, I kind of you know would say even like the first skill was because I feel like it almost revolves around like that time period um, just the way some of the character interactions are um, but you know it still has just those those quick quips of humor that that it, just are added to every page. And I mean, you know, you just have a simple conversation and if you're not really paying attention, you'll miss it. Um, but I mean, I, I loved all three. I mean, Hod King, obviously in my opinion is the best of the three, but you can even look at Goodreads and see that your scores got higher as the books released. So, uh, I think Hodking right now is like four and a half on Goodreads. So, uh, you're doing something yeah. right. <laughs> you know, and that's great. I mean, it, it really is great. And, and, you know, hopefully people
1: will continue to follow along as I flail my way forward with the journey. I'm, gonna, I, You know, I, I, I really do try not to read re- reviews yeah. because, oh, man, I, I have read so few reviews of The Hod King, and I found that to be a really good
0: thing, yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, I, I know, I know, you, know so, uh, you know, I've seen like Rob Hayes like post on Facebook about, you know, like, Here's my one star reviews for the week, you know, and they and they just try to like make fun of it, so I guess they can get past it. Um, but at the same time, like you just you kind of laugh at them because you try to figure out like where these people got these ideas from. But then you see you know all these glowing reviews for it at the same time, you're like, okay, are they just trolls or you know is it legit criticism? Well, I, um,
1: I don't I I don't think it's just the bad reviews that are sort of caustic. The good reviews are are, are- Unhelpful as well, because <laughs> then you have this sense of like, well, that that's what worked. I should do that again. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and, or that that w- this is more what I feel. I've obviously peaked and will never achieve that again. So <laughs> I should just wallow in my future failure now. I mean, th- there's just nothing. I, I I feel like writing has to be this sort of like casting over your shoulder as you walk down the road, and people will pick it up and be like this this is a a gem and others will say this, this is a turd. And like, you just can't, you know, entertain either of those responses. Now I would be lying if I said, I don't see it. uh, You know, it doesn't impact me, but I really do my best to just sort of insulate myself from that whole thing. These, I mean, if someone told you that you did something wonderful yesterday, Mm. I mean, don't you feel like the next day you're like, well, today's gonna be worse. (laughs) That might that's just the, be you. I'm <laughs> i I'm a, I'm a neurotic.
0: Person. I, I know, so, I know where you're coming from, though. I, I can, I can understand what you mean, and, and it, it is one of those things. You know, you, you get done with something, you put it out there, and you go, I really hope people like this, but I don't want to know if they did or not. Yeah, yeah that's how, <laughs> that's how I feel about my life. No.
1: But my, my ideal like world would be one where uh, everyone buys my book, but no one reads it. You know, oh. <laughs> like, it just exists in potentia. Like maybe so everybody just has a writing. copy and it's on their bookshelf. <laughs> yeah. well, and that was like, my, 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 mother was that way for years and years. It was wonderful. Like before she read, like sit the just, it was just on herself. That was, that was the best. It's like, my son has written a book. Have you read it? No. Good. Continue not to read it. Cause right now you'll never be prouder than after you read it. You know, it's like, it's, it's, I like
0: that. Uh, yeah. Just buy the book. Don't read it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Buy it. Don't read it. Tell everybody how great it is and that they need to buy it, but also right. tell them not to read it. It's and, pretty like a virus. And we'll just, we'll just have all the money circulating, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is,
1: this is why I'm not a marketer.
0: Like they'd be like, all right, so that's a terrible idea. Let's hear some other ideas from the table. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have any other terrible marketing ideas. Uh, right. No, just, just keep doing what you're doing on Twitter. You don't talk about your books. You just talk about your life right? Or, or you can start, or you can start talking about politics. That'd really turn people off. <laughs> <laughs> Man, and the thing that's so, so funny is right now is I, it's, it's so easy to just kind of get
1: caught in um, uh, echo chamber online. I feel like, mm-hmm. and, and my goal is not to engage anything because I just, I'm just going like to broadcast a little signal of, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I feel like, and maybe I'm the uh, only one I don't know enough about things to have a profound opinion on most things. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, maybe I should just not say a whole lot, um, and,
0: and talk about what I do know, which is baby shark is a toxic mess. Um, <laughs> you sh- you should give uh, you should give uh, some some public speaking events. Uh, there, there's a lot of people in the entertainment industry that can learn a thing or two. <laughs> I, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I, I read a lot. I, mean, I read a lot about politics and society and, and, and culture and history, and I find it really interesting. And the more I read, the more I'm like, oh, 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 oh I don't know. Yeah. Um, and also, like, I'm just, I, 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 if, if you ask any of my friends uh, whether I have any sort of views about, um, uh, you know, culture or politics, or whatever, they're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He just goes up like a bottle rocket. I mean, I, I'll talk in person <laughs> about these things. But the one thing I've observed about, like, the online culture recently is it doesn't seem to be making a lot of progress towards bridging any, you know, gulfs. No. And, and I, I feel like it's it's, it's sort of – it warms the cockles of your own heart to have the people who are already in agreement with you again agree with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure it actually does. So I, I, I'm, I, I save my politics and my perspective on the world for my – books and uh you know my personal conversations and the tweets are just me about uh poopy diapers and and car seats
0: right <laughs> like last night and christmas trees and, yeah. and buying multitudes so you know the so that maddie becomes bored with them <laughs> yes that's exact, that's exactly <laughs> well fantastic so uh when you do have time to write which i assume you should have plenty of time to write. Um, where do you typically write when able, do you have an office or do you typically try to stay around, uh, your daughter during the day or how does that work?
1: Well, so a few, like I was a stay at home dad with an infant for about a year. Um, and in that period of time, the number of hours that I spent writing could be uh, described on one hand. I mean, you can't, you just can't write. Um, but we put, uh, Maddie in daycare, um, March of last year. And so I've been writing during the day full time since then. Um, And we started off with four days, went up to five days. Uh, And this is like one of those things where if you want to feel um, uh, sort of the desire to write or the, the impetus to write, putting your little girl in daycare is pretty inspirational. Because you're like, all right, so now I'm paying somebody to not spend time with my beloved progeny. Uh, I should go write this book. You know, <laughs> so you know it's it's definitely dedicated time. Uh, I work in a, a, I have an office. I have a chair. I sit in with my laptop and my, uh, you know, lashings of hot tea. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 pretty mundane. Mostly, like if 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 someone were to uh, pass by while I was working, they would just hear a madman muttering to himself in uh funny
0: accents that's that's the sort of distinguishing characteristic um so tell me a little bit about your writing process are you a plotter or are you what's called a pantser which i didn't even know what this term was until i talked mm-hmm. to cj tudor over the weekend do you mm-hmm. know what a pantser is i do okay so so are you a plotter or a pantser
1: well i've heard like, like plotter pantser a gardener an architect um, I, 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 I mean, there's all these other like wonderful, like ways to describe this. I am a garbage man. I think that's like the, the best way to describe it because I do all of it and none of it works. I write plots. I have, uh, books filled with notes. I wake up in the dead of night with a moment of inspiration. I, uh, you know, just free write in the morning. I read books. I do math libs. I rap, uh, you know, it's like this sort of like stupid, uh, uh, unnecessarily Byzantine and complex process that any sane person would have been able to streamline by now, but I have not. It, it's just, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I write, write things out longhand. Uh, sometimes I write them on my laptop. Uh, I have a marker board. I, I have a, a dream journal. I have index cards. Uh, none of it works. None of it works. <laughs> I, 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 like Writing a single page of functional prose for me is nothing short of a miracle. That's <laughs> That's what it is.
0: And I think it emerges from this, I don't know, trash pit of 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 effort. I gotcha. So, yeah, I remember seeing you post the other day. You posted some pictures of some, I guess, some index cards that you had written. No oh, that was a moleskin. Yeah, yeah. moleskin notebook. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I can, I can only imagine just seeing seeing how your house is. You probably just got stuff like everywhere. I remember. Yeah. Do you still have the chalkboard? Uh, yes, but it's in the nursery, so okay. I haven't had access
1: to it for but a while.
0: Because I, I, I remember, uh, I think one of the first times uh, I actually interacted with you was after you had uh, drawn, uh, I guess it was a picture for Prince of Thorns for hmm. Lawrence. Is that right? You're okay.
1: on the uh, uh, Le- Lightway or
0: something like that. Yeah. It's called. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the Lichway, is that right? Lichway, yes. Sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember seeing it because – I mean, it was fantastic. I remember like seeing like the the, I guess the stop motion video of you drawing it, erasing it, drawing it, erasing it, and like over and over again. So I was just curious well, if and, you use that for that, notes. Well, that that I, the reason I put that
1: blackboard paint on that wall was to use for notes, mm-hmm. and then what I used it for was to draw on. Yeah, I mean that's that's just emblematic of my process. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it in a nutshell, right? It's just this is why it'd be a terrible writing, like a how-to book. Oh. I'd be like, step one, go into the desert. Step two, figure it out. Like I don't know. <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, I can only assume, which is probably a correct assumption, that you're obviously continuing to work on book four of the Books of Abel series. Mm-hmm. Um, since this will be the concluding novel in that series, do you have any idea of what you want to write next? Uh, a standalone that's 150 pages.
1: <laughs> that's uh, a novella. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, uh, oh, I need to write something uh, brief, uh, contained. I, I have an idea for it. I have like maybe a, a publisher okay. who's interested in a novella, and I kind of want to do a history of the Sphinx, so it would be sort of an offshoot. Okay. Uh, and I think that would be a 150, 200 a novella that I could probably bang out in six or seven years. Um, after that, I want to write an <laughs> opera, but like, I don't know, man. I keep lying about this because people are like, what are you going to do next? And I say, well, maybe I'll write some, uh, Ray Gunn science fiction. And they say, really? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like, um, this project is, I'm just putting everything I have into it. Yeah. And so there's some days where I wake up and I can dream of a future beyond it. But honestly, today and most days, it's just like, all right, in the morning, I'm gonna tackle this plot point, and I'm not just gonna get obsessed about the M-dashes and the semicolons, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna
0: write a page.
1: You know, that's yeah. that's sort of like where I'm at. I gotcha.
0: Um, so can you can you tell us a little bit about book four? Uh for those who have who have read it up to this point? No one's read it. <laughs> no, I mean
1: there uh, oh, read the series up to this point. Yeah, uh, yeah, I read uh, the okay, series to oh, this oh, point, yeah. Uh, book four, <laughs> oh god, I don't know how to talk about it. Um, book four is going to disappoint everyone, <laughs> so lower your expectations. It's just uh, a list of, of architectural names that I uh, poorly poorly define. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I, 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 there's some things about it that I think are really uh, interesting, uh, but it's weird, and I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, sometimes I, I read back over something I wrote and think, huh, really? So, uh, um, yeah, book four. Um, so that's where you're at. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this: um, I don't think people are going to leave feeling that they have been cheated. Okay. They might feel that they would have wanted something else from it, but I'm not going to do one of these. Uh, and then you know, yada yada yada. One thing led to another. Big bang, boom. It's over. You know, I'm not. I'm not. That's not what we're going for here. Yeah. It's, it's there's catharsis. There's heartbreak. Uh, there's there's smooching. Um, there's there's, there's, there's there's giant eels i mean there's all kinds of things like it's in there it's uh, it's a yard sale it's a conglomeration
0: it's yeah. yeah i gotcha um so in your uh non dad time non writing time have you had the ability to read anything lately I don't know what you're talking about. What is this non dead? I know what's this. What's this time by myself? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't
1: know. You know, honestly, like recently, um, because I, I keep hitting these sort of roadblocks with the writing, where I get frustrated, or discouraged, or feel like uh, I'm not uh, making the sort of movements I want to. I've been reading a lot of stuff um, by my own choice that's in the um, field of fantasy. And recently I just decided uh, maybe I need to like kind of branch out. And so I've been reading a little bit uh, uh, further into my older haunts, Uh, you know, and so right recently I've been reading uh, a a, a gentleman in Moscow by more towels Calvinos. If on a winter night, a traveler Uh, I've been reading poetry by uh, Alden and and Jarrell. And uh, you know, I'm just sort of like, I, I know that's that's like I, I should have some, some better fantasy answer uh, but it's I, I've been going off the rails man going off the
0: rails <laughs> I gotcha um, so my last question I have for you yeah. so in February of 2018 I found mm-hmm. a voucher at the end of my sin the sins copy mm-hmm. where you promised that if I read your novel you would personally drive to my home and clean my tub yeah. where is my tub clean
1: well, you know, the thing that's about those is it has an expiration date. Uh, okay. if, you, if, if you look closely at the bottom, the fine print, it's, it's, it's written in, in Sanskrit, but it, it clearly says that the expiration date is in
0: February of 2018. okay. So, so, so basically, you, you, you told everybody that, and then like literally next day it was expired? Yes, <laughs> essentially. And uh, strangely,
1: I had several people uh, still um, you know, validate it. Um, and, and
0: they were very happy with the result. They, they, they were still talking about their shiny tubs, you know, I'm still disappointed. I should have, I should have filmed that Sanskrit into word and tried to, you know, get it uh-huh. get it to where I could read it and find out. But yeah, I've, I think I've, I've brought it up to you a couple of times and I'm, I'm still disappointed, but you know, I've, I've got a new house, my tub's still clean. So it doesn't quite need a scrub, but you know, maybe maybe ten years from now, I'll I'll still try to still try to get you down here. Hey man, if in ten years you ask again and I, I I'm still alive, I'll do it. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> oh man, well man, I, I really appreciate you you coming on. Um, really? I, I mean, the books of Babel are are phenomenal. I I, I love this series. Uh, I, I love John Banks' narration. I've I've listened to all of them uh, at least twice. Um, now they're, they're just, it's so much fun. It's easy to immerse yourself into the world. Uh, it's easy to root for and not root for Thomas. Uh, Sinlin as, as time goes on. Uh-huh. Uh, but you, you know, consistently uh, are putting characters in there that everybody can relate with uh, or relate to. And, you know, you're always bringing something new to the table with these books. And I know, Uh, We're all excited about book four, at least the ones that have been on the journey so far. Um, But everybody, uh, you can find Josiah on Twitter, uh, at Bancroft Josiah. Uh, You can also find uh, his website. It's thebooksofbabble.com, where you can find links to his books, merchandise, artwork, and even an excerpt from book four. Uh, I I assume you knew that was still on there, so I had to throw that out there. Um, oh yeah, that is still on there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And, I don't I don't even know if that's in book four anymore. I gotta go look that up. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I told you that because I actually yeah. went on the website today and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go read this real quick. Um but uh but yeah, and 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 me personally, I'm hoping John is still doing the narration for book four. So I'm definitely gonna be looking forward to that. Yeah, but, yeah we we hope so too. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. But uh again, thank you so much for coming on. I hope uh I hope this was kind of an enlightening chat for you. It probably wasn't, but you know, at least you got to talk very, about your books very, a very good job. <laughs> and uh, and guys, like I said, uh, look for, uh, for the untitled book four in the Books of Babel series to come out hopefully in 2021. But I know I'm definitely excited about it. But otherwise, you can find uh, Similar the Sins, which is book one, Arm of the Sphinx, book two, and the Hod King, book three, which came out in 2019. You can find them at your all your major retailers. Uh, highly recommend them. Uh, Hawking's actually, actually all three of the books have been in my top reads every single year when they come out. Um, so, you know, uh, buy them, read them, love them. Let me know what you think. Uh, let Josiah know what you think on Twitter. And, uh, otherwise, man, thank you so much for doing this. And maybe we can do it again once, uh, once book four is out. That sounds great. I, I would love to. Fantastic. Well, uh, thanks again. And I uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Hey, thanks. For those of you who haven't had the opportunity to read Selina's Sins, stay tuned for a clip from the audiobook presented by Hachette Audio and read for you by John Banks. I hope you enjoy it.
2: The Tower of Babel is most famous for the silk fineries and marvellous airships it produces, but visitors will discover other intangible exports. Whimsy, adventure, and romance are the Tower's real trade. Everyman's Guide to the Tower of Babel, Part 1, Chapter 5 It was a four-day journey by train from the coast to the desert, where the Tower of Babel rose like a tusk from the jaw of the earth. First, they had crossed pastureland spotted with fattening cattle and charmless hamlets, and then their train had climbed through a range of snow-veined mountains where condors roosted in nests large as haystacks. Already, They were farther from home than they had ever been. They descended through shale foothills, which he said reminded him of a field of shattered blackboards, through cypress trees, which he said looked like open parasols, and finally they came upon the arid basin. The ground was the colour of rusted chains, and the dust of it clung to everything. The desert was far from deserted. Their train shared a direction with a host of caravans, each a slithering line of wheels, hooves and feet. Over the course of the morning, the bands of traffic thickened until they converged into a great mass so dense that their train was forced to slow to a crawl. Their cabin seemed to wade through the boisterous tide of stagecoaches and ox-drawn wagons, through the tourists, pilgrims, migrants and merchants, from every state in the vast nation of Ur. Thomas Senlin and Maria, his new bride, peered at the human menagerie through the open window of their sunny sleeper car. Her china-white hand lay weightlessly atop his long fingers. A little troop of red-breasted soldiers slouched by on palominos, parting a family in chequered headscarves on camelback. The trumpet of elephants sounded over the clack of the train, and here and there, in the hot winds high above them, airships lazed, drifting inexorably toward the Tower of Babel. The balloons that held the ships aloft were as colourful as maypoles. Since turning toward the tower, they had been unable to see the grand spire from their cabin window, but this did not discourage Senlin's description of it. There is a lot of debate over how many levels there are. Some scholars say there are fifty-two, others say as many as sixty. It's impossible to judge from the ground. Senlin said, continuing the litany of facts he'd brought to his young wife's attention over the course of their journey. A number of men, mostly aeronauts and mystics, say that they have seen the top of it. Of course, none of them have any evidence to back up their boasts. Some of those explorers even claim that the tower is still being raised, if you can believe that. These trivial facts comforted him, as all facts did. Thomas Senlin was a reserved and naturally timid man who took confidence in schedules and regimens and written accounts. Maria nodded dutifully, but was obviously distracted by the parade of humanity outside. Her wide green eyes darted excitedly from one exotic diversion to the next. What Senlin merely observed, she absorbed. Senlin knew that, unlike him, Maria found spectacles and crowds exhilarating, though she saw little of either back home. The pageant outside her window was nothing like Esau, a salt-scoured fishing village, how many hundreds of miles behind them. Esau was the only real home she'd known, apart from the young women's musical conservatory she'd attended for four years. Esau had two pubs, a whist club and a city hall that doubled as a ballroom when occasion called for it, but it was hardly a metropolis. Maria jumped in her seat when a camel's head swung unexpectedly near. Senlin tried to calm her by example, but couldn't stop himself from yelping when the camel snorted, spraying them with warm spit. Frustrated by this lapse in decorum, Senlin cleared his throat and shooed the camel out with his handkerchief. The tea set that had come with their breakfast rattled now, spoons shivering in their empty cups as the engineer applied the brakes and the train all but stopped. Thomas Senlin had saved and planned for this journey his entire career. He wanted to see the wonders he'd read so much about, and though it would be a trial for his nerves, he hoped his poise and intellect would carry the day.
0: I hope you guys enjoyed my chat with fantasy author Josiah Bancroft. Stay tuned next week when I have a double episode week. First up will be author Mike Chen. We'll be talking about his brand new release, A Beginning at the End. And we'll also be talking about his first novel, Here and Now and Then, that was released in 2019. Also up next week will be narrator Mark Thompson. He's best known for his plethora of Star Wars audiobooks. Uh, So we'll pretty much be talking about everything Star Wars. So if you're a fan, I would definitely recommend tuning into that one. Hopefully I can get into some of his voiceovers, because honestly, I think he does even better voices than some of the actors in the movies, dude. That's kind of a weird thing to say but it's pretty awesome so uh, stay tuned and uh, make sure you continue to follow along as I've got a ton more coming up uh, and hit me up on social media at dwalters29 on Twitter and Addict on Instagram thanks guys